Theodore Faison, and Pastor Linda Faison. We pray that you are blessed by the word you hear today. We ask that you like, comment, and subscribe on our social media platforms, and may God bless you. Praise God, aren't you glad he called you his own? I'm so glad I belong to Jesus. <laughs> we celebrate you, Jesus. We thank you. Because you are because you have provided everything for us for your salvation. And we praise God. We thank God for being our God and our Father today. And as, as we go in this portion of the service, we, we go in asking you to go in with us that you will your people, supply to all the hearers of your word today, satisfy the folks that listen, draw the unsaved to you. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. We ask you to touch our ears, teach us to listen, touch our eyes that we might see Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We thank God today. We thank God for all of you who are with us, for your um, participation, your attention, your time. We thank you for your liberal giving online, and we thank you just for being you as we go into the Word of God, and we're just grateful. Amen. We celebrate Jesus. I say it over and over again because that's what we do. He's our, He's the one we celebrate today. Yeah, we, I hope you had a nice Labor Day weekend. You know, begin the school. We're praying for all those who are in school. The students, the teachers, the faculty, the staff, the workers, everybody associated with our education system, we're praying for you today. And we pray that you have a successful school year despite the pandemic and virtual learning or however school is being taught now. It's a little different. And we're praying for your success. Amen. Listen, um, last week we talked about how it's better. It is better to suffer in the will of God for doing good than for doing wrong. And in verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for us, for sins, and just for the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Verse 19 says, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. <laughs> we have to stop there and talk about this thing, the spirits in prison. Amen. And um, many people, some theologians and some people think that he actually, because, you know, when Jesus went to the cross in three days in the grave and three days um, in hell, he um, was risen again on the third day. Many think that he preached to the fallen angels, all right? That he preached to the fallen angels or he preached to the sinners who went on before, trying to give them an opportunity to be saved. But we don't believe that. Because we believe that um, once, once you um, live this life, that's the chance you have. Mm -hmm. You don't get a chance. We don't believe in purgatory. We don't believe in second chance. The Bible doesn't teach about second chance after you die. It doesn't teach that, all right? But what we do believe is that there were saints, that there were believers, Old Testament believers, who were in what we call, what's known as one place called the bosom of Abraham in Luke chapter 16. In Luke chapter 16, it talks about um, the rich man and Lazarus, 
and it talks about how the rich man had all these riches and lived comfortably and things like that. And Lazarus, Lazarus was a poor beggar, begging for um, crumbs off the, off the rich man's bread and things like that. And how when they both died, the rich man went into hell and Lazarus went into the bosom of Abraham. And both of these locations were down below. Okay, um, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 16. We're going to talk a little bit more about this thing. All right, and so we're taking a break from 1 Peter so we can look at Luke chapter 16. Okay, the story of the rich man, oops, hit the wrong one. Closing. Okay. And I hit the wrong one again. Bear with me. I want Luke chapter 16 this time. This is what happens when you don't use your Bible Bible. You use a tablet and you try to be in the 21st century with these people. Okay, here we go. Alright, so here's the story in Luke chapter 16 of uh, the rich man and Lazarus. And so um, it goes from verses 19 through 31. We're not going to read all these verses. Okay? But we are going to talk about it. And so what happens is in verse, in verse 23 it says, And being in torment in Hades, he looked up the rich man, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And so there's, then what you have here, before, before Jesus came and ministered to the saints and ministered to the world and, and died for the sins of the world and became the Lamb of God, you know, before he came, the man Christ Jesus, when, when people died, they went down. Okay? They went down. Okay? And there is a compartment in hell, Hades, where those were in torment, like this rich man was in torment. Oh, by the way, he's not in torment because he was rich. He's in torment because he was an unbeliever. He wasn't a follower of God. And, and where Lazarus went, and he didn't go into Abraham's bosom because he was poor. No, no, no. He went to Abraham's bosom because of faith. Because even um, in the Old Testament, he had to live by faith. Okay? And so, here we go. And so this guy, he say, he see, he's in torment, and he sees Abraham over there. He recognized Abraham, which I think is amazing. And he asked that Abraham then send Lazarus over there because he recognized Lazarus too. They, you know, put a little drop of water on his top because he's in torment. And Abraham says, can't happen, can't do that. Because even if we want to, we cannot bridge, we cannot go from here where we are to where you are. So Abraham's in paradise, the, um, and the rich man, who is nameless, so that's why we call him the rich man, is in, is in torment. And so he asked Abraham to send someone over, send Lazarus over to quench his thirst. And Abraham said, we can't do that. You know, you know when you was here, you had all the pleasures, you had all these things, um, and, but you did not, in so many words, you did not have faith in God. Okay, that's why you're where you are. And verse 6 says, and besides all this, between us and you, in verse 26 rather, there is a great gulf fixed 
so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Okay, so you're where you are, and you can't go over to the other place. Verse 27, look at, look at verse 27. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. In other words, send him to my family, my brother. For I have five brothers that they may testify to them, lest they should come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. This is profound now. He said, they have Moses, they have the prophets. And he said, no, Father, Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said unto him, verse 31, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. This is deep right here, y'all. Listen. So what Abraham is saying, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, if they don't believe the scriptures, that what we call the Old Testament scriptures, they're not going to receive one that rises from the dead. And we know the one that rises, the only one that rises from the dead and able to preach is Jesus. Okay? And so what he's saying here is that um, when Jesus came, when Jesus came, and those who were not listening to Moses and the prophets and were not believing the word of God then, didn't believe him either. And the religious leaders of the time did not follow the teachings of Moses and the prophets because they did not want to. And because they did not follow Moses and the prophets in their teaching, they did not receive Jesus as Christ like they should have. Okay? And so this is what's going on here. But we read in this to let you know that when people died in the, in before Christ, they went down. They went to paradise or they went to hell, but both places were below. Even in the book of 2 Samuel, when, when um, well actually it's 1 Samuel, when King Saul, who was rejected by God for his disobedience and his lack of faith, and he was rejected by God, and the Lord withdrew his anointing from him. When he was looking for a word, and there was no prophet, there was no dream, there was nobody giving him a word from God, he went to a soothsayer. And he found this woman, he went to this woman, and he wanted her to bring up Samuel, Samuel the man of God, Samuel the prophet. And he tricked her into doing it, and she brought up Samuel. She actually brought Samuel up. The only way you can bring Samuel up is that he has to be down. Because if Samuel was in heaven, <laughs> there would be no access to him. You understand what I'm saying? So before then, everything was down below. All right? And so Samuel came up and said, why are you bothering me? You know, God rejected you. I can't do anything for you in so many words. Okay? And then Samuel prophesied his death. Saul's death and the death of his sons, which also includes Jonathan. All right, so here we go. The reason why we're looking at this is to let you know where people were. Now, when we talk about Jesus going and preaching to the souls in prison, okay, we need to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, and we're going to talk about what happened. 
got it right this time. Let me start on verse 8. So what we believe is that when and when he preached to the souls that were in prison, so-called prison, right? He preached, he was making a report. We believe it was more of a report, not that they could be redeemed, not that those angels, not that those fallen angels who were in prison could be brought out, not that the souls that disobeyed God and that did not believe in the Lord in the Old Testament were able to be saved now. No, we don't believe that they got a second chance. What we believe is that there was more like a report. Um, almost, I won't say bragging or showing off, but almost explaining to people there and the souls there what has happened. And then there are also the souls in paradise who had to be brought up to heaven. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, when it talks about gifts, uh, we'll start at verse 7. Okay, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace, has, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. When he ascended on high, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he brought the saints from paradise into heaven with him. Okay? Think about that. Okay, that's how they got to heaven. When people died before, before Christ, they didn't go straight to heaven. Now when the saints die today, they go straight there, they're in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Verse 9, in parentheses, it says, Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, far above the skies and stuff like that, that he might fill all things. Okay? So, the Bible says here, and he also gave gifts of so when Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins, and died for the sins of the world, and died um, so in anybody who trusted him and believed in him, their sins would be covered, their sins would be atoned because of the sacrifice of Christ. He went into hell. He went down. He went down below, and he preached to the people there, to the souls, to the spirits. Right? He preached to the folks there, and also. When he left there, he led the captive, he led all the saints in paradise, all the believers, all the Old Testament believers who were in paradise with Abraham and Moses and David and them, he led them all to heaven. Okay? So, when you and I pass, and when we, when we leave this body, to be absent from the body again is to be present with the Lord. And so, when we talk about Jesus preaching to the souls, he's not preaching for their redemption. He's preaching to make the report, and he's taking the believers with him to paradise. Those same believers are going to meet us if we're here, and, and um, if we're here for the rapture, if we're here for the coming, with the Lord comes and takes the church. Those same believers, along with the New Testament believers, are going to meet us together in the air. Okay, we're, we're talking about. We're, 
we're studying um, end times and the last days in our Bible study, and we're looking at things like that. Okay, so here we go again. Well, in First Peter chapter three, we're bouncing around as long as we don't bounce out, right? First Peter chapter three, we're going back to there, and we're going to look at this again. Okay, all right. For Christ once suffered, for Christ also suffered once for the sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. He's going to bring us to God. He had to bring all those other saints to God first. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few that is, eight souls were saved through the water. And when, when Moses, when the Lord called Noah, <laughs> when the Lord called Noah to build the ark, there were eight souls that were saved that day. And not that day. It took a while for that ark. It must have took about a year to build the ark. But eight souls, Noah, his sons, and Noah, his wife, his sons, and his sons' wives. Okay, that's the eight souls. There is also an anti-type which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject unto him. Okay, so when it mentions here baptisms, it's not saying that the water saves anybody. Okay, but the, the baptism is a type of death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, and so it says here that Jesus now, now the same Jesus, the same Christ, is at the right hand of God, and on all the angels and all the authorities, all powers are subject to him now. Okay, similar to what we read in uh, Colossians where it talks about him having preeminence over everything. And so what we have here, we have the Christ who suffered and died for our sins, okay, and who, who preached to the prisoners and to the souls in hell and in paradise, of course, and returned to all the souls from paradise up to God, up to heaven, right? And he's now, even himself, you know, he came back and he was made alive again. He rose and he, he himself rose from the dead. Because he said, no man takes my life. I lay down my life. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it back up. And so he laid down his life. He took it back up. And he ministered for another 40 days and met with the saints and made the promise, gave them the promise of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit baptism. And then he ascended on high. And he's now even at the right hand of the Father. And all power, all authority, all everything is subject to him now. All right? He's at the right hand. The right hand represents power and privilege and blessings. He's at the right hand of the Father even now. 
And so even in Ephesians, it talks about, I mean, in Isaiah rather, it talks about how God has blessed them and gave them everything. You know, and, and the Lord has made him the head of all things. It says that in Colossians, how he's the head of all things. Okay, and so this Jesus, whom we serve and whom we believe in, is well, alive, well, and also it says how he makes intercession for us. And Hebrews talks about him being our high priest. Now we, he, we have a priesthood as well, but he being our high priest, and he makes intercession for us. In, um, in Romans, it talks about how he makes intercession for us. You know, Romans chapter 8 talks about how he's there pleading our cause before the Father. And so what we have here, we have an opportunity to increase our confidence in the Lord. Now, the original readers of this letter are suffering torment. They're suffering persecution. They're being displaced. Um, Emperor Nero has blamed them for a lot of bad things, the burning of Rome, and, and Nero's blamed them for that, and Nero's persecuting them. And imagine, imagine people being persecuted, and imagine people being kicked out of their homes, losing their jobs, their business, losing their businesses. Well, you don't have to imagine that because stuff, stuff like that's happening even today. But, but people are um, losing everything for the cause of Christ. And that's why earlier Peter talked about how it's better to suffer for doing good than it is for suffering for your bad deeds, right? And so these folks are suffering, and so he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to encourage the people and encourage the believers of that day um, who Christ is in them and for them and what Christ has done for them, right? And um, in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore... Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Alright? He said, arm yourselves, in other words, make up your mind that, that you may have to suffer too. Okay? And you're suffering in the flesh because you cease from sin. Alright? You suffer in the flesh because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You suffer in the flesh because you align yourself with him. It's as if you join his political party and you are called a Christian. And that's why you <coughs> suffer, because of your relationship and your fellowship with the Lord Jesus. All right? And because of that, because your relationship and your fellowship with the Lord Jesus, you have ceased from sin. You're not a sinner anymore. You are now a saint. Right? And because you are a saint, and because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a different, your sins are forgiven. That's what we're saying. Your sins are forgiven. We're not saying that you never mess up, you never make a mistake. But those sins are being forgiven. That verse 2 said, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. So now, you want to live your life for the will of God. Today, we want to live our life for the will of God. We don't just want to satisfy our own lustful, fleshly desires, okay? Which are natural. They're natural in us. But we are spirit beings as well. And we want to live for the will of God. We want to find out what is the will of God for me. Lord, what would you have me to do? And we know at least 
the will of God is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. It's not God's will that anybody perish, but that all people come to repentance. To repent means it's a turnaround, it's like a change of mind. It's like a U-turn. I changed my mind, I'm going one direction, and I changed my mind, I'm going back the other way. Okay? I lived a life that was separate from God, and I repent of my sins, I confess my sins. He is faithful, He is just, He forgives me of my sins, and He cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Okay? Because I trust in Jesus Christ. And so, I, it's like a turnaround, and now I belong to Him. Now, I have a high priest who makes intercession for me. Now I have a relationship, I have right relations with the Lord God, with the Father. He's not just God and King and Creator, He's my Father, right? I am the Son of God, and anybody who comes to faith in Jesus Christ is a son and a daughter of the living God. This is something we said before. Um, David and Moses and Abraham, they did not have that kind of relationship, okay? Though they were followers, and though they were believers, and though they lived for the Lord, they did not have a sonship relationship that you and I have. We're the sons and daughters of the living God, okay? And we have that. And, and along with being sons and daughters, we're like Christ, because Christ is the Son. He's the only begotten Son, and now we are sons and daughters. We are offspring of God, too. But similar to Christ, yet they're suffering. Christ suffered for us, the just for the unjust, and their suffering. Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will have to suffer persecution. You say, well, Pastor, I don't see any persecution around me. Nobody's bothering me about being saved. I said, okay, just give it time. All right? I'm not saying that you look for it. I'm not saying that you ask for it. But as you live your life, you have opposition. There's opposition to your lifestyle. There's opposition to your faith. There's opposition to you personally because you believe in Jesus. Okay? And it, it may not be a harsh thing because of where you live, because of how you are now. And, and supposedly we have freedom of religion here, supposedly. Right? And so you can do that. But there's, there's uh, opposition to you. And eventually, it's on the way. All right? Even, even those quiet Christians that don't talk a lot and don't speak a lot about Jesus, even there's opposition, even to you, because your very presence among sinners brings conviction. And folk don't like conviction. They don't want you to tell them, excuse me, they don't want you to tell them you're wrong, even if you're not saying it verbally. You're showing them that they're wrong, okay? And people don't like that. So there'll be opposition to you. Remember, you have three enemies. Satan, who hates you. you know, he's, he, he's the accuser of the brother. He's the tempter. He's the trickster. He's the liar and the deceiver. He tried to use fear and, and deception to trip you up. He can't, he can't cause you to fail and fall you can't take away the salvation you have. You can't do that. But he wants you to look bad at least. As a minimum, look bad. Okay? You have him. And you have the world. The world, the cosmos, the world is opposed to Christ. 
you look at society, you look at government, you look at entertainment, you look at public education, it's all opposed to Jesus. It really is. The world is opposed to Christ. You are sojourners, you are pilgrims, you are strangers here because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? And the, the other opponent that you have is the flesh. We talked about this before. This here. <laughs> this here is your opponent, your own flesh. Your flesh has to be placed in subjection. You have to discipline your body and your mind to, to serve the Lord. You have to make yourself do the right thing because we are natural born sinners. Yes, we are. We're natural born sinners and we can't, we can't get away from it. We've said it before. You can resist the world, right? You can submit to God and resist the devil. You can abstain from the things of the world. But this flesh, man, you can't get away from it. All right? You have, to, you have to bring this thing under subjection. You have to start with your mind and then bring your body under subjection so that you can cause your body and all your members to serve the living God. Okay? So, you have opposition. And you have three main opponents. And that last one, I don't know what you're going to do about it. You're going to have to work on it. We have to work on ourselves, amen? amen? We have to submit our minds to Christ. We have to bring it together. Matter of fact, let me read that scripture. Was it Romans 12? Uh-huh. Romans 12 and 2. I'll read it to you. Here it comes. Uh, we must start with Romans chapter uh, 12, verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And some translations say your reasonable worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. It says here, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed, be a metamorphosis, be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know to whom you have to prove it. You have to prove it to yourself. You prove to yourself that this is the will of God. To be transformed, to be different, is the will of God. You prove it to yourself, because you don't have to prove it to Satan. He knows it. You don't have to prove it to the world and the people, because they don't care. You have to prove it to yourself. You have to know for yourself that I am in the will of God, and the will of God is perfect. The will of God is acceptable, and this is how I worship, by living for Him. Amen? And this is what we have to do. No matter what the cost, no matter what the problems, no matter what the challenges are, we have to live for the Lord. And again, and again, we want to say that we present our bodies. When it says a living sacrifice, it means that you're alive. You stay alive. Okay? Um, you take your body and you um, live in your living self and you live for the Lord. You sacrifice that stuff. That, that satisfies all the flesh and stuff like that, and you make your living for the Lord a priority. 
You make him, put him on the throne, right? Make him the top, make him the best, make him the most important, and you live for him. And you have to have your mind, we have to have our minds renewed and changed, and we have to have it converted. We have to have our minds and our thoughts converted to the way of God. We need to stay in the Word, we need to stay in fellowship, we need to stay in prayer, and we need to practice what the Bible teaches. We need to be biblical. Amen? Amen. So, we want to encourage you today. We want to encourage you today. Remember, Christ suffered. Okay? He suffered for us. The just for the unjust. And his suffering brought our salvation. And now that we're saved, now that we're living for him, we need to go through as well. Amen? We need to go through with Christ. We don't. Anything you suffer, you don't suffer by yourself. Anything you go through, you don't do it by yourself. The Lord is with you. Amen? And he will stand there with you. And it's worth, it's worth the trouble. It's worth the pressure. It's worth the challenges. It's worth whatever you have to go through while you're living for the Lord. Amen? And he has great reward for you. And we want to encourage you today. We want to encourage you to look to Jesus for your help. If you're not a believer, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, everybody has trouble. Life is but a full day, a few days and full of trouble. I mean, even the unsaved have trouble. But I'd rather have trouble for Jesus and trouble with Jesus, going through with Jesus, than to be out there and be in trouble by myself. Amen? And so we want to encourage you today to look to the Lord for all your help. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Lord, help us. Help your children as we go through this life to look to you for our help and strength and encouragement to understand that we belong to you and anything we go through for your sake is worth it. Help us today, Lord, to always trust you and believe you and to find ourselves seeking your face seeking your will, and seeking you personally, Lord. Help those who don't know you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Draw them by your spirit, Lord. Draw them to you, and give them opportunity, Lord, in this life. Give them opportunity to say yes to you, and to come to faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you for these things, even now, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. We thank you so much. We're praying for you. Uh, we're praying for your salvation, praying for your healing and deliverance. We believe God will do these things if you just go to the prayer. Just no matter who you are, what you've done, whatever your background is, it doesn't matter. Jesus has enough for you. And he'll satisfy you. He'll meet your needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. On behalf of our pastors, Theodore and Linda Faison, we would like to thank you for joining the Living Water Christian Center Church for our Sunday morning virtual service. Although the physical doors of our church may be closed, our ministry is committed to spreading the gospel message and staying connected with you as we shelter in place. To support our ministry with your tithes and offerings, you can use PayPal at livingwaterccc, cash app, at Living H2O Church 
or Zell at 973-902-9933. If you need any assistance or would like to send any prayer requests, you can contact us at 973-902-9933 or livingwater374 at gmail.com. We are also available via direct message at any of our social media platforms. Follow us at Living Water H2O Church on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay updated on our virtual worship services, Sunday school classes, prayer meetings, and Bible studies. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Be blessed and stay safe.